every person in my business has moved into a, a position of strength within our business uh, organically because I never told them to do that. They just take it. Uh, an easy way to find out who that person is is to make it vacant and see who steps into the role. G'day folks, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation and welcome to another episode of the WP Elevation podcast. This is the show where we help you start and grow your very own WordPress consulting agency. My guest is a podcaster. He is also a online coach and a video maker, uh, creates awesome content. You've probably seen his videos online. Uh, we talk specifically about managing teams and getting other people to do the things in your business that you don't want to do and that you are not best at and empowering those people to do a great job that you are happy with and also how to give them constructive feedback when their deliverables are not living up to your expectations. This is an amazing episode, tons of gold in it. I hope you've got your notepads ready. It's a little bit longer than our usual episode because uh, frankly I could have spoken to this gentleman for weeks. There's just so much to unpack here and he is full of knowledge and experience. He's been there and done it. Uh, there's tons to learn here. Of course, my feature guest is James Shramko from Superfast Business. This is the second time I've had him on the show. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. Without further ado, let's go meet James Shramko. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. Just before we get into this episode of the podcast, I have a quick favor to ask. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes at wpelevation.com slash iTunes. Or if you're not an Apple user, you can get us on Stitcher Radio at wpelevation.com slash Stitcher. And please, if you are on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. It really does help us come up in the search results and get the show in front of a wider audience. And we love your feedback and we read all of the reviews. Thanks in advance. Now let's get back to the show. G'day folks, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation and welcome to another episode of the WP Elevation podcast, the show where we help you start and grow your very own WordPress consulting agency. And I'm very, very pleased to have with me our feature guest this week, all the way from Manly in New South Wales, beautiful seaside city, James Shramko. James, how are you, my friend? Very good, thank you. Always great to catch up, Troy. It is. This is the second time you've been on this podcast. I can't remember what episode number it was, but you were on this podcast a long time ago and you were standing in front of a big black sheet, I think, that was behind you. That must have been a, a, an extraordinarily long time ago. Yeah, I reckon it was probably three three or four years ago when we first started the podcast. I think you were like in the first season. Um, for those, I'm privileged to be back. Well, well, I was on someone's podcast the other day and they said you're a three-peat so I'd been on the show three times, so we'll, we'll definitely get you back at some point. You can be a three-peat here. Um, for those that have been living under a rock for the last 150 years, who is James Shramko and what do you do and why, why would I have you on the show? Uh, so I have a business called Superfast Business and I coach a lot of online business owners. Many of them you would have heard about in my other program, Silver Circle. Lots of the influencers and movers and shakers, guys like Ezra Firestone, Pat Flynn, uh, girls like Molly Pittman, and uh, really enjoying that. Uh, Tom Breeze, a video agency. Lots of people with agencies, lots of people with e-commerce store, and lots of people selling information products. Mm. I, of course, uh, did okay with that stuff myself. I built up an SEO business and a website development business, 
and sold both of those businesses. I had them for about seven years. And I've been running this coaching membership for 10 years, I've been podcasting for 10 years, and I've been running events uh, for 10 years. So, uh, yeah, that's basically it. When I had a job, which was about 11 years ago, I was a general manager of a Mercedes-Benz dealership. Mm. I remember that story. Um, what's the funnest part of your business? Uh, fun. Gosh. I think the, I think the fact that I work with people I really want to work with. Like I have the choice. I don't have the compromise where you take a job because you need the money. Mm. Once you have uh, an abundance of money and once you build an abundance of time, and that might sound like a fantasy to some people listening to this, then choosing to spend your time with the people you want to, doing the activities you want to, uh, is really a lot of fun. And I like that I can literally have a life like live as if you're kind of semi-retired, I suppose, not not from the point of view of not wanting to work, but from the point of view of um, when I was grinding out a desk job, I really felt like retirement was a long way in the future mm. and uh, it, it, I didn't want to get to 65 years old until I could start having fun. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because so, by, by that stage, your body's kind of moving in a different direction, isn't it? <laughs> The body starts moving different directions, I, I think, uh, from the late 30s yeah, I or, or so. early yeah, 40s, yeah. probably. 100%. 100%. I'm flying to London tomorrow. My flight is at five past midnight, so it's like early hours Saturday morning, Friday night, you know, Saturday morning. I said to my wife, how the hell am I going to stay awake till midnight? I'm 45 and I've got a 21-month-old boy. I'm normally asleep by 9.30. Like, I'm going to have to, you know, drink some Red Bull to stay awake till midnight. It's crazy. Um now, we, we're talking uh, off camera. Uh, so, you know, you, I've been watching you for a while now and your business kind of includes all the f stuff that I love, podcasting, making information products, coaching, running live events. Um, but from the outside, you seem to, from an outsider's point of view, you seem to have an incredible um, output of stuff. And I, we were chatting recently when I was up in Sydney uh, when we ran into each other at Taki's event and you were, you know, I was just kind of really impressed by how you, how much you've dialed in what it is you do, what your sweet spot is and how you've got, how you've built a team and processes to help you do all the other stuff. You just said you ran an event recently for 150 people with a five week old. Um, how, what, what's, and most people listening to this uh, are either just starting out or a lot of people listening to this are overwhelmed and think feel like they're about to have a heart attack because they're doing all of the things and there's too many open tabs in their head. How do you get other people on the same train to play the same game and to produce stuff at the level and the quality that you expect and that you'd be proud of without having to micromanage them or without having to you know, do it for them? So there's a few elements to that. Uh, one is a leadership style. Another is experience and um, building up to that. And then, of course, there's the recruitment, like selecting and training the right people in the first place. And then there's the systems that will support and encourage that. So uh, a lot of it starts with yourself mm. and then you move into um, leveraging that. So as I was a general manager, I was very experienced at running a team. I had 70 people in my business that I was responsible mm, for. Wow. So I, you know, I went for a while online without a team and then I rebuilt a team because when I first went online, I thought I don't want to have an office. I don't want to have stock. 
and I don't want to have staff because I knew that was where a lot of the hassles can come yeah. from. Over time, though, I realized that I could actually hire other people's time and then sell that time in the form of website packages and search engine optimization services. And then I realized that I'm not even that good at some of the things that I'm trying to attempt, like general manager by day. And then at night, I'm writing an article for Ezine Articles, my early version of content marketing. And I found a lady who could write articles for me. And she was way better at it than I was. And then as I started to hand over tasks like help desk and then uh, content editing, which is a huge one, like after a podcast, the very last thing I want to do is listen to me again for another hour mm-hmm. and take out any ums and ahs and add in an intro and outro and then uh, process it and tag it and then upload it and then syndicate it. All of these things other people could actually do better than yeah. I could. So I just kept building out uh, a team around all the tasks that I was either no good at, uh, I could hire people f- for for a much lower rate than I could bill myself yeah. out. And if I'm going to go coaching, I can earn a much higher hourly rate doing that than I can doing administrative level tasks. Yeah. And so I basically just kept whittling away at my list of things that I'm doing until I'm just left with the things that only I can do or that I actually want to do. So this is awesome. Just Can you just repeat that, please? Because I think it's worth repeating. The last yeah, part? Just, no, right, the from, right from the top. <laughs> just, the, just that last <laughs> sentence. So I've kept giving away the tasks that were on my to-do list until the only things left were the things that uh, I was the only person who could do or that I actually wanted to do. And the, the reason I say want to do, because I deal with some people who are more artist-oriented, like a documentary filmmaker, mm-hmm. and sometimes they say to me, James, you know, do I have to get someone else to film the documentary for me? Because I actually like doing that. I said, no, do, do that bit, but just don't do all the other stuff. Don't pack your kit. Mm. Don't get it transported. Don't be t- tinkering around on your website. Don't be sending out emails. Mm. Don't be doing your bookkeeping because... Mm. Someone else can do all of that stuff, yeah. travel arrangements, you name it, almost everything else can be yeah. done. Uh, great. Let's talk about some examples here. Let's talk about the podcast, right? So this is okay. an example. We run a podcast here, as you know, because you're on it right now. Uh, and after this podcast, Max is actually recording it at the moment, and I'm recording the audio on Skype. He's recording the video, and once it's finished, he'll edit it together. He'll do the intros and outros. He'll upload it to Vimeo, I think. The audio gets put somewhere, I'm not exactly sure. And it all kind of happens in Asana. And, um, you know, then someone will write the show notes and it'll get published. And usually what happens is at some point I go visit our podcast up until recently. Recently we're doing a pretty good job. But up until recently I would go visit our podcast or I'd hear our podcast in my podcatcher would come on after listening to another podcast, probably yours. And Or I'd read our show notes and I'd be going, oh, for God's sake, like I like that's just... I would not write the show notes like that. I don't think they're very interesting. And look at that, there's a spelling mistake, right? How do you yep. how do you deal with that without being a tyrant or without coming across as being a micromanager? How do you go, look, these show notes are just not what I would expect? Well, I would take a, um, a look at what happened in the car industry and uh, companies like Toyota and where they started dominating the American car companies. They got 
um, the process sorted out where instead of building the entire car and getting it to the end, to the car lot, and they say, oh, this car's, you know, the gaps in the panels are no good, the engine doesn't fit. No, you go and systematically check the production line. So in my business, we have a Slack channel called For Approval. Mm. And what my team will do in that Slack channel, they will put the title of the episode, they'll put the uh, description, the meta description, they'll put the show notes by timeline, they'll put the tweetables, they'll put the call to action, and they'll also put a copy of what they're intending to make a cheat sheet or a PDF guide of mm. in that for approval channel. Mm. Now, if I want to change anything, that's a good time to do it because I can actually suggest something else. Now, the way you suggest it is also Yeah, critical. that's my next question. <laughs> that's, a, that's going to be a huge one. Because there's, a, there's, a, there's good ways to do that and terrible ways to do it. And a lot of people defer straight to the terrible uh -huh. ways. Uh, but because it hasn't been published, because you haven't had a loss of pride or you're not embarrassed, it's much easier to get it at this point. So we have like a 24-hour timeline there where it can sit and no changes, they publish. So this gets rid of a couple of issues. One, it's a great opportunity to change it before the finished work gets exposed to the public. Mm -hmm. And... Two, uh, it is allowing you um, the ability to, to have your team do the work without you getting in the way and being the bottleneck because you'll hear too often that the team's got all this backlog of stuff but they're waiting on the business owner to give it the final tick before it goes yeah. out. So they're either letting it go out too early and then you know erupting when it's out or it's not going out because they're perfectionist or too tight on the controls, and so it never gets to see the light uh -huh. of day. So this way sort of solves both of those problems. And so then, how do you how do you then go? So I've got two questions here. First of all, I don't have time to check everything before it goes out. So and, and I often right. I often uh, on my my daily rounds, I might check into my own team Slack, which is virtually our office. Yeah. I might check that a couple of times a day or once yeah. a day, and I can easily scan a for approval channel. So anything my team's planning to publish mm. in a big way, it's going to be in there. And I usually can scan because, we, look, we're only publishing two podcasts a week mm -hmm. and two videos a day. So it's not that much Only, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's just back up a second. Hang on. Only two podcasts a week and two videos a day. Yeah, so it's just a little bit of micro content. Right. You know? So the video, the video, does that all go on your website, or do the videos just go YouTube, Facebook? The videos go about seven or eight places now. That we've got an iTunes channel just for video. They go on our website. They go inside my membership for discussion because it's great that people can see my tips, but it's even better when they can ask me more questions around it. Uh, it goes on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. Stop it. And oh, holy shit. Get the notepad and the pen out, Max. We're going to start making notes. <laughs> uh, so we've been using Restream to go, you know, to multiple places at once to try and leverage that thing. Like maybe I'm just doing too many other things in the business, which means I don't have time to approve the content that's going out because I should be approving the content that's going out because it's got my face and my name on it, right? Well, I think it's a high value thing to do. It, as Bezos says, you know, there's some, some things are one way decisions, other things are reversible. It's really, it's no trouble to re-upload a podcast later or to change some show notes on a podcast page mm. after it's published. It's not the end of the world. Mm. 
However, it is preferable to catch it before it That's goes right. out. So this is a nice way to do it. It's kind of like the the dump button on a radio station. People swear or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a good way to do it. But how hard is it really to look at? Even if you did one podcast a day, yeah. which we used to do for a while there, it's only just a it's just a few lines. It's only like you know this many things to scan yeah. and to see if you like yeah. it. Okay. So let's pretend I don't like it. Let's say you know what. That call to action just feels a bit naff. What do I do now? What do I do? Yeah, like they, well, they've got the wrong one. Yeah. Like you, you do a podcast on a particular po- – yeah. like let's say you and I did a podcast on my mm-hmm. show and we're talking all about um, website development mm-hmm. agencies mm-hmm. and let's say I had an affiliate link to a product that was perfect for that audience mm-hmm. or I've got a product that is just right for that audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I've got a workshop coming up for website developer agencies. Mm-hmm. I would want that call to action on the show. Let's say they chose a different one, like mm. they're, they're putting my Maldives mastermind or mm. something not quite as relevant. Mm. Then all I do is I paste the one that they've got and I just I paste that and I say change this to that and I put the new one. So there's no emotion in that. Mm. I might also explain why, and this is a big mm. one. It sort of answers your other question. How do you get people on mm. board? Give them the, the logic and reasoning behind your decision. I, was, I would say change this to that because this audience are agency website owners and this is really relevant for mm. them. And now they're like, okay, so next time I'll have a look at that call to action and I'll see what's, what of our categories the most relevant and I'll use that. So here's something that I'm trying to develop internally here, and I know a lot of our, our members are trying to do the same thing, is we're trying to develop the gold standard, right? So... We're actually pairing back the amount of content that we're producing because I felt like the whole team was just spinning our wheels, publishing content for the sake of, because it was on the Asana calendar where it had to be published. There's no promotional strategy to promote that content or leverage it once it's been published, right? Apart from some Facebook ads, but we're not reaching out to influencers. We're not tagging people in episodes. We're not doing any of that kind of stuff, right? Because we're just going to publish the next thing. should all be part of your SOP. That's right. Exactly right. So what, so... (laughs) <laughs> That's correct, and it's not. So um, what I'm trying to develop is the gold standard of here's the gold standard. You know it's done when these things are are done, right? So first of all, is that a good idea to develop a gold standard? And second of yes. all, what happens if things just repeatedly don't match up to the gold standard? Then you've got a problem uh, that needs fixing. So uh, firstly, Yes, you should have a gold standard. The reason why students don't get an A when they submit their essay at school is their teacher never showed them an A essay. Mm. That That's a major problem. Yeah. Like they keep getting Bs and Cs because no one's ever said, well, this is what an A looks like. Here's the structure of an A essay. Mm. This is what I'm looking for when I mark your test, these elements. Mm. If you can show your team what the standard is, then at least they know what what the way they will be measured. And you, you actually can be very explicit with mm-hmm. this. Here is, so I will show my team a video. I'll say, look at this video with the headline frozen mm-hmm. and then the captions going through the video mm-hmm. and they're baked in no matter what platform it's put mm-hmm. on. Can we make videos like this? And they come back to me. Yes, boss, we've figured out how to do it. And then they do it from that. I say, okay, like that from now on. So that's the standard. And that's now how I'm going to be measuring success. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very important when you get people doing tasks the first few times that if it doesn't meet the standard, you should let them know as quickly as possible and have it reworked until they meet the standard. Mm-hmm. Because if you let them submit substandard work repeatedly, mm-hmm. they will know that that's possible yeah. and that they can get away yeah. with it. 
So here's the thing, what if I don't want to be the one that decides what the gold standard is because there are too many other moving parts in the business and too many other open tabs in my head and I want to say, listen, you're in charge of, you know, let's say how-to videos, which by the way, Max is doing a fantastic job. I'm just picking on him because he's here. But Max is in charge of our how-to videos, right? I was going to say, he can't reach those golf clubs. <laughs> he can't, no, no, here. he can't reach the golf clubs. <laughs> okay. So I say, Max, you're in charge of how-to videos. Show me a great how-to video, right? Here's YouTube. This is where they're going to be published. Here's, a, here's some courses. Log in. Do what you need to do. Spend the next few weeks telling me what a great how-to. You tell me what a great how-to video looks like, and you then you tell me to get in the studio and, and shoot the thing, and then you edit it and make it the gold standard, right? Now, fortunately, um, Max has done a fantastic job on that. Where I'm struggling is in some of our written content, uh, some of our copy, uh, and it's because... And it's totally my responsibility because I haven't sat down with the other people. Some of them are not in this office. Some of them are in interstate. Some of them are in another country. I haven't sat down and said, this is what a gold standard looks like because I don't, I haven't had the time and I would love them to come to me and go, this is what the gold standard of a blog post looks like. These are the elements. This is the structure. This is how it's going to be from now on. I would l- l- cherish that. What am I doing? What am well, I doing wrong? I hope your team are listening. Uh, they, they, you might get approached soon, very soon after this goes. I hope they are listening. A couple of things you could do. You could put it out to your peer group. You've got access to your peer mm. group on Facebook, et cetera. And you say, what is the gold standard for content marketing these days? Or who's doing a great job? What makes it mm. good? So you could definitely get um, a, a quick barometer of the market. Mm. And then within your team, you can actually auction off the task. So mm. I often do that. I say, in our team... So I'd wait for the team meeting, which we do once mm-hmm. a week. Say so what what I'd like to do is I'd like to uh, come out with a, a much more powerful video uh, process. In fact, I did something like this a few weeks ago when I was running my live events. In the lead up to it, I wanted us to go through our old live event recordings mm-hmm. and to look for things that we predicted that happened in the future and to date them. So mm-hmm. stuff that I was talking about five years ago, six years ago, uh, four years ago, I wanted them to go and get that snippet and splice it into a clip and prove to the market that coming to our event is the fastest and surest way to find out what's going to happen in the next five years mm-hmm. now. And I, I said, who wants that task? Mm-hmm. And the girl in my team said, I'll do it, boss. And she took it on and she went through the stuff. She, she sent me a, a test reel and I said, this is great. And then I, and I said, I'd like to see the, the title slides removed because just having this, the date stamp is, is going to make it obvious mm-hmm. enough. And then she re-rendered it and put it up and said, perfect. Now go and make a few just like this, please. And she did and away they went. Mm-hmm. And then after the event, I gave her a file with B-roll and testimonials. And I said, now we can start marketing the recording of the event inside our membership with this. Exactly what you did before, same process. She made me one. I made a couple of suggestions. Second one, she nailed Mm. it. And now that's what she's doing. Mm. I like it. Um, And I'm using this as an example because it's. I I know that I'm the problem here, right? some of the conversations we've had with our members, and I'll talk about live events in a moment. Some of the conversations we've had with our members in our in our Mavericks Club, which is our VIP program, is the the what usually happens is they'll hire a project manager, and I'm using air quotes for those who who can't see the video. They'll hire a project manager, and then proceed to teach the project manager how to manage projects. And my advice is 
if you're hiring a project manager and then teaching the project manager how to hire, how to manage projects, well, you haven't hired a project manager, or you have, and you're patronising them by teaching them how to do their job. So recruit a good project manager in the first place, and then get out of their way and let them teach you how they're managing projects. Have I am I approaching this backwards? Well, I think there's a number of ways you can approach it. Okay, so that, to be fair, there's <laughs> it, it's one way. I generally hire people with a great attitude who are trainable and who uh, want to learn things and can sort of soak into our company and get a feel for our culture. And look, we don't hire that often. And the last person we hired a few months back uh, was so quickly indoctrinated and up to speed with what we do that by day, by day one, she already submitted her first content. And by a week one, she was flying. And by one month, she was like a pro. Mm. Because the last person we hired before her, we hired about five years ago. So we have a really established team. So if, if you want someone to manage projects, then I think it's important to just, again, explain to them why you're doing what you're doing. What's the point of your business? Um, like breaking it down here with regards to your example before, what's the point of doing the content in the first place? Mm. Why do we do content? Mm. And how do we measure the success of the content? Mm. Who else is doing content that we could learn from and get clues from? Who in our team wants to take ownership of this and be a superhero around this topic? And I'm not super formal in terms of giving them titles or names, or I don't don't think we have a title such as project manager. Mm. We just have people who uh, take a hands-on approach to to their part of our business that they seem to gravitate towards. Because another thing that I do is I let them pursue things they're really interested in. Mm. And every person in my business has moved into a, a position of strength within our business uh, organically because I never told them to do that. They just take mm. it. Uh, an easy way to find out who that person is is to make it vacant and see who steps into the role. Mm. Uh, w- by the way, just for those listening, a bit of context, where are your staff? The, uh, they're in the Philippines. Right. And uh, which is, you know, I think that's. Um, I was talking to one of our uh, our staff members in the Philippines yesterday, and she's actually going to come on to a call with our Mavericks and talk about the cultural differences and how to how to break down some of the communication barriers between the way we communicate here and the way that culturally they communicate there, and some of the fears that are on both sides of the relationship and how to break that down. Because we've actually got a great relationship with our uh, Philippine team members. We went to Thailand late last year for a team retreat. Um, they're like family. They're extremely loyal, very talented. Um, I, I just know that I'm, as we grow, I think we're 10 or 11 now, some here in Australia, some in the Philippines, I'm becoming the bottleneck and I can see that I'm, I'm becoming the breaking point and I can see that happening with some of our members as well. So let's talk a little bit about recruitment. How do you, um, it sounds like you hire slow, no, um, hiring slow is not just not not a great thing to do. Or you know, you hear about hiring slow, but it's okay to hire fast. Very very good people don't sit on the shelf waiting mm. around for a job. Mm. They're already employed, or they get snapped up quickly. Mm. So I actually did a podcast on this topic once about hiring fast, which is funny. Uh, I had up to sixty five people in my business at one mm. point. We had an SEO business, we had a website development business, and we had a, a content team building my blog network. Every single one of them I got from the first one, which was a referral, and from that referral, we went word of mouth. I've never, ever used a jobs board mm. or a recruitment agency so far yeah. my entire time online. Yeah. 
the, the first one I was kind of lucky because I had a friend of mine who was, uh, had an SEO team in the Philippines and I was reading the four hour work week and I saw there's this your man in India. So I applied for a VA there, but they were just chalked up to the they max. Were. Cause of the I book. remember I tried the same thing. <laughs> and I was telling my friend that and, and he said, Oh, look, I can ask one of my team members to find someone. What kind of person do you want? I said, I have no idea. I don't even know if I can keep one of them busy. And so he got me two interviews. I spoke to two people on Skype on my way to the airport and I picked one. And from that lady, which was 10 years ago, wow. uh, we, we went out to 65. We've had very few mishires, like hardly any. Uh, we have a very, very strong culture. After I sold the SEO business and the website business with those teams, I ended up keeping six. Hmm. So I've got six now who are just superstars and like they're, they're absolutely like family. And I know a lot about the culture mm. uh, over a decade, but I'm happy to address any of those mm. questions you have around it because it's it's just critical. In fact, I was on a briefing today. One of my high-level students brought his two team members to a call today, mm. and he'd scheduled it, and we're having a chat. And I I asked my uh, my my customer, I said, you, you know it's a public holiday in the Philippines today, right? And he goes, oh, really? I said, yeah. So he scheduled a call for them on an Easter public holiday and uh, he had no idea. Mm. So it does pay to know a lot about the culture yeah. because these are human beings. Correct. And they're the, in my case, these people do everything I don't want to do in my business. I absolutely adore yeah, yeah. them. 100%. And I was talking to Michelle yesterday about the same thing that, you know, she said the reason that she feels like we've got such a great relationship is because we treat them as human beings. We don't treat them as virtual assistants and there's there's nothing virtual about them. I mean, I know their stories. I know where they come from. I know their histories. I know their backgrounds. I know their families. I've met them in real life. We've hung out with them. Um, you know, and that that absolutely changes everything. Um, what, what I, what I uh, before I get to the live event, I do want to touch on this though, that uh, uh, there, there's... I think there's a lot of fear from our side, the entrepreneur's side, in hiring staff offshore. I think, and I, I'm trying, I've been trying to figure out what it is, whether, we, whether there's a, an assumption that they're going to take advantage of us, whether there's an assumption that because out of sight, out of mind, we can't see what they're doing. Like, I hate the notion of using screen sharing, screen recording software to make sure they're doing their job and they're not, you know, logging onto YouTube. Like, we've never done that. We've never been that, never micromanaged them like that. Um, what do you think, why do you think there is a, because I actually think the problem in, if you've got remote staff, doesn't matter where they are, if you've got remote staff that aren't in the same office and that relationship is not going well, it's, I think the the analysis and the diagnosis starts with the business owner, not the team member. Yeah, look, you're spot on. All responsibility for your business rests with the business owner. Let's get that right out mm. there. Anything that's not perfect with your business, you'll be able to trace it back to mm. you because of either a hire you made or a decision you made in the past that's coming to bite you on the mm. butt. Firstly, I'll say if you have a team member in the Philippines, they're probably supporting three to five times more people than you mm -hmm. are. And they're probably somewhere around 10 to 20 times more scared about you than you are about yeah. them. Uh, secondly, we don't need to install time tracking software because we already know what people are doing. Yeah. They're spending five hours a day on social media watching videos, including every business owner. Most business owners are absolutely kidding themselves if they think they're being productive because they are spending five hours a day 
on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and so forth. So if we can't be productive, why would we expect that some hmm. machine-like cyborg robot would, would actually clock in a pure eight hours in a day? It's, it's ridiculous to even think that. I know for a fact my, my webmaster is also a, a very keen gamer online. And I support that. I want her to have a great life. But I can tell you, if anything happens to my website, it's fixed within minutes because she's always glued to the computer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you know, we have some really radical things in our business too. Like we don't have apportioned hours or certain days that we work. Uh, there's no sick leave or annual leave. It's basically work when you feel like it. Wow. Seriously. And I just mandate what I, I need as the business owner. I, I need, uh, it's very Australian, but I need a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. Yeah. In other words, I will pay them twice a month, every single month, the exact same amount all year long, as long as I feel that they're not taking the yeah, piss. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I bet you they are more productive. <laughs> I bet you they're more productive than if you, if you said, you know, you have to be, I mean, it's really funny because we were over in the Philippines late last year and I said to Michelle that, you know, they're working in this office, which is basically in an apartment building and they're very happy there. It's like a home away from home. Sometimes they come to the office, sometimes they work from home depending on traffic because you know what the traffic's like in Manila. I said to Michelle, I want to put you guys in a, in, a, in a bigger office, in a co-working space with, you know, lots of blah, blah, blah. And, and she said, please don't do that because we, we, won't, we won't go there. It's too far to travel. It's going to be three hours travel. Right. And also we like it here. This is our little home away from home. We like coming here. It's very cozy. We, we, we like it. And she said, you can put us in a nice office if you like, but I'm telling you now, we just won't go there. She said, I'll just be straight with you. We'll tell you we're there, but we'll just leave our cameras off and we'll be at home. I'm like, okay, I'm glad you told me that. I'm glad you told me that now. You know, That's a few things. A lot of people say about getting an office, but all of mine work from home. Yeah. I'm not going to force them to do the four hours of commuting a day. It's the, it is it's the worst traffic in the it world, is, yeah. especially Manila. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, a lot of mine uh, are looking after other people, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Absolutely, they work harder because there's no official on or yeah. off. They're the most incredible team. I'm absolutely blessed uh, to have mm. them. And um, you also mentioned a couple of other things there that are, are quite subtle but really interesting. So traffic is a huge mm. one. Like even just to go to the shops mm. and get supplies, you, you could be out of action for two or three yeah, hours. Totally. Uh, like it's and it's very unreliable. You can't. You can't predict accurately how long it will take. It could take 25 minutes. Yeah. It could take three, three hours. hours. That's right. yep. Because it's, it's quite random. It <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, screen screen software, that's the other big one that people, sort of their first thing is how do we track it? Well, just don't. Yeah. Just just measure the output that you're getting for the amount you're paying and see if it's a fair yeah. deal for you and for them and, and make sure they're really happy. Yeah, the thing that's really interesting that you mentioned is why don't we put screen tracking software on my computer and share that with the Filipinos, hey? That is the first thing to do, man. You should install moments on your iPhone and yeah. uh, rescue, rescue time. time on your computer. Yeah, correct. And just, just see if we're not being a bit yeah. hypocritical here when we talk totally. about productivity because it's – it's unbelievable. Yeah, stop watching James Shramko videos and get back to work. Um, now, Why keep them a minute long? <laughs> yeah, that's right. The other thing, uh, thanks for that. I appreciate it. The other thing I want to talk about is checklists. You ran an event recently, Superfast Business. I haven't been to that event yet. I'm a little bit disappointed that I haven't been invited to speak, but that's a whole other conversation. But I will get to that event one day. I'm very, very much looking forward to it. I have massive FOMO that I haven't made it yet. But you ran that event and because you, you don't have any Australian staff, right? You don't have any staff here in, in, in Sydney, do you? 
There's no uh, official staff on the books other than me right. and my wife. So you so and you run an event for 150 people. You've got a five week old, and you don't you don't outsource the whole thing to an event management company. No, not Dude, at all. Dude, how like how the hell did you, how does that work? Checklists. I got a great checklist. Right. Uh, I used to I used to do some pretty complicated logistics in my old job. Like once I had to move three dealerships into a new premises, and the owner went overseas. And <laughs> the first night, I got a bucket of keys, and I had to go around the building for five hours figuring out which key opened which door. <laughs> I mean, that was a nightmare. And there was also twenty five years worth of crap in the garage that that had to be collected or sorted or placed somewhere that didn't fit. So in the scale of nightmares, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> um, I, I also have this really amazing crew locally who just uh, get together each year for the events, and they help me out with things like registering guests on arrival, giving out gift bags, uh, bouncing the doors, you know, making sure that only people come in when, when we're ready, rounding people up for the sessions, uh, liaising with the event uh, people, like the, the facility on the day itself. Mm-hmm chasing up the speakers to get them mic'd up and make sure they're actually in the premises and those sort of mm. things. But for the most part, my wife and I just go through the checklist and ahead of time and I'm just checking in with suppliers and we go, go down to the printer and give them a USB file and get all the name tags printed and we get things delivered to the hotel venue itself. Mm-hmm. I go through the meal checklists. I get the staging I use the same suppliers. This is a recurring theme of mine. I tend to find really good suppliers who I can lean on and deal with them over and over again. So you build up that intellectual property. This is like the difference between having interns or um, contractors or task sources versus having team. Mm. My video guy has been doing all my events. He He can spec the AV stuff with the staging company and the staging company can give him everything he needs. So all I need to do is say, is pay the bill when he says it's good, mm. good to go mm. and check it. So I've kept my task to a minimum still and it runs very smoothly and I've got that SOP that I just roll out and I just check on a, on a frequent basis but micro checks. Like I'm talking five, ten minutes every now and then just to see if things are progressing along as they should. Plus my wife is extremely good at uh, like extra reminding me if, if something might slip my clutches. Mm. Um, geeky question. I have to ask this because my audience would kill me if I didn't. What do you use to store your SOPs? Google. Google. I knew you were going to say that. So um, <clears throat> for me, I'm putting them in. I've created this master document. I call it a life sheet, mm-hmm. and it's a Google spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And it's got the, the first page is an index, and it's got uh, numbered on the left-hand side. And then the bottom tabs are numbered one through to wherever. And as I come up with a new IP or checklist, like, for example, event management, I'll create, uh, I'll I'll go and look for something relating to events. If there's nothing there, then I'll add it. And then I'll go and put a corresponding numbered tab. And then I'll put my checklist there. I'll paste it. And then I can use that as my storage place for the system. The the SOPs that my team share, we put them in, in just a Google document Mm -hmm. and every document has the word sop in it so it's extremely searchable Mm -hmm. and it's shared with anyone who relates to that document Mm. Uh, do they tick things off like do do you use like you know use like an asana or something where they actually go and tick it off no project management tool just slack and google wow that's fascinating 
Um, I remember you tweeted about this or you said something in a Facebook group uh, of ours uh, ages ago, like, uh, what do you use for project management or something? And you said Slack and I'm like, I couldn't get my head around it. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. If, if you set the channels up right and you have a smallish team, it's great. But if you're doing website development, by all means, you're going to need a Teamwork yeah, yeah. or an Asana or yeah. a Basecamp or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's the only team in my business was the website development. Mm. And we, I think in the end we were using Teamwork, mm. but we tried a lot of other yeah. ones. They're, and that's because they're more complicated projects yeah. and you might need time tracking tools, et cetera, for Billing, customer yeah. work. Yep, exactly, yeah. exactly. They're all shit. All the project management tools are shit. They're all I've used crap a, and they're not I've used them all and they're all shit. I hate them all. <laughs> it's not how humans it's operate. Not. And I learned this lesson the hard way because when we had an SEO business, I was using Basecamp yeah. and I'd put in the projects and I set up the templates and I got it all organized. And then one day when I sat down with my team in Manila in a hotel that we rented out and I'm walking around and I saw someone flip their screen and, and they were updating a, a Google spreadsheet. And I saw them cut and paste something from there across to Basecamp. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. What, what was that? I said, oh, we're just updating Basecamp, boss. And, and I said, well, what was that other document? They said, oh, that's our, that's our spreadsheet where we track it all. And I said, so why are you updating Basecamp? And they said, well, for you. <laughs> like, Basecamp's not for me. So they did it because they thought that's what I want. So I learned now I don't tell them what tools to use. If they want to use whatever tool they want, great. But I, I said, okay, we're, get, we're all getting a Google account. That's the first thing that yeah, happened. Yeah. Any document on a spreadsheet or a, or whatever, and I banned Word. as well. yeah. I don't use Word. I'm on yeah, a Mac, same. right? We don't use that's Word. Right. So it must be if they want to use Word and they have to yeah. upload it to yeah. Google to share yeah. it. So we use Google, yeah. and that's it. And now that we don't have actual customers, we can get away with Slack. So we have our for approval channel. We have our site changes channel for anything relating to our website. We have our publishing channel for everything relating to publishing. Yeah and so forth so you, you can use channels as sort of a virtual office within a building uh quick question for you if you're coaching an entrepreneur who is trying to build a business that eventually they can sell because i now after after that facebook post that comment of yours on, in one of our facebook groups all that all you know whatever it was two years ago and then and then speaking with you in sydney recently up at taki's event and then kind of following you again since and my mind has shifted towards I hire someone, like, I have no idea what Max uses to edit the videos. I know we, we use Final Cut Pro, right? But I don't know what plugins or, or template packs or whatever freaking thing. Like, who cares? I don't care. I'm not, I'm not, he's good at that and he loves it, right? He, like, take him out of the studio and he starts to cry. He loves it so much in here. I also love it in here, but I'm not the best at it. So it's not my sweet spot. It's his bag. I'm not going to tell him how to do his job, right? So hire a project manager. Don't tell them how to manage projects. Don't even tell them what tool to use. Just let them do their job. But if you're coaching someone, an entrepreneur who's growing a business, wanting to sell it eventually, do you think it's important that there is some consistency if you're going to onboard new staff, you can't just go, well, you use whatever system you want to use and use whatever system you want to use. Is it important? Like, have I got, this is what I'm struggling with in my head. Is it important that the business owner knows that there is some kind of consistency across the board so that when you package that business up and put it out to market, you say, well, here's all the IP we use. These are the systems we use. It's all consistent rather than, well, I got this great team, but I'm not really sure what they use. It's kind of up to them. Well, just do what I did when I wanted to sell my business. I put it on its own website. And then I said to the team, I need you to get all your SOPs, whatever you're using, and put it into one master document. And we have we have an asset register. 
in the asset register was a link to every SOP we had. And I was just looking over my SCO one the other day. We had everything from who's in the team to a, uh, the content teams checklist, the research and development team checklist, a list of all the websites we had uh, and so forth. And it just went on and on. I never saw those documents mm. most of the time and it didn't matter. But when it comes time to sell, you absolutely have to have an asset register, mm -hmm. which includes everything that that buyer is going to get, including all the people, all the SOPs, all the domains, assets, whatever comes with it. It goes onto one sheet, which is basically that's what you're selling. Mm. Just like a like a one Google sheet with links off to everything. One else. Google sheet that linked off to it just listed everything they get and a link to that document, mm. and then you can ha make sure that you're shared with every single one of those documents, mm. and that's what you can sell. When you sell it, you transfer that document to the buyer, mm. and you give them permission to view each of the documents, mm. and it's all mm. theirs. Fascinating stuff. I literally could sit here for days and talk about this, my friend. Um, I love the way you think. Uh, I love the fact that you've scaled down your business, but actually improved your impact and your lifestyle and uh, everything that you're doing. I know we spoke about this in Sydney, that you're actually in a much better place now than you feel like you've ever been. And you've actually got less people and you're doing less stuff, but you're doing the stuff that you really want to do and the stuff that counts and the stuff that you're good at. Um, and I'm, you know, like in all honesty, I'm, my foot is on the pedal. I want to grow this business. I am asking myself why. For me, it, it is about impact uh, and it's about reach and, and revenue, of course. Um, but I'm highly cognizant of the fact that um, the more you grow, the more headaches you've got. And at some point, you've got to ask yourself why. Uh, like, like growth for the sake of growth just leads to a heart attack, right? Yeah, I mean, it comes down to a few things like who, why is it important to grow and what does growth even mean mm. and how much is enough? And I, I think it's fine. It's great if you want to have a great business and a massive impact. I mean, that's true. You're going to increase the value for the rest of the planet if you keep producing. Like you want to take it to an extreme. You could have like an Elon Musk level of contribution mm. to the world. Uh, but there will be often – a, a yin to the yang you know yeah. so just keep an eye on that one yeah and remember that that if you're going to go a much longer distance maybe you need to take some stuff out of the backpack so you can travel a bit lighter yeah. and a bit easier so one of the sayings within my highest level group where the average revenue for someone in that is around three million dollars per mm -hmm. year is let's celebrate lack of drama yeah so i've got clients who who do a million dollars a month or more and they still don't have drama and chaos, which they used to have because they've fixed a lot of the, the mm. things that were broken in their business. They do things now that they never did before. I can give you some crazy examples. Mm. They actually take money out of their revenue and provide for tax now instead of trying to scramble for it when the tax bill yeah. comes. They take 10% of their earnings and put it aside into a, a reserve, reserve account that they can draw on in an emergency they actually pay people a day or two early instead of a week late and people don't resent and hate their guts. They actually want to work for them because they love them. Mm. They improve the quality of their products so they don't have refunds and, and the customers are delighted when they make a purchase. These are all extremely simple things to mm. do but extraordinarily uncommon. How do you – I know I'm respectful of your time and the listener's time, uh, but uh, one final question, <laughs> and it's a big one. How do you know that, like, there are so many things to do, James? How do you know what you should be doing next? And how do you know which fires to let burn? You know what I mean? Like, 
There are so many freaking um, things that we could be doing and fixing. And like a friend of mine recently said, you're never going to, like the business is never going to be finished. You're never going to get the end of your do list and go, well, that's it. I'm done. The business is done. Look at that. It's in great, you know, true. like. So like that. that's the perfect reason not to be a perfectionist or to ever get stressed about the fact that you haven't finished something because that's 100% correct. Mm. Especially online, mm. the business is always open. Mm. As soon as you can learn to let go, that's going to be the, the start of saving yourself. Mm. Um, how to know what to work on. Look, there are four stages of a fire. There's um, the kid finding the matches, <laughs> the kid striking the match and starting the fire, and then the fire's getting quite out of control, and then the last stage is the house is well and truly gone yeah. and even the fire department can't <laughs> fix it. So if, if that being the case, so when we find the fires, uh, look, you could spend a lot of time hiding the matches, and, and that's great, but the kid's going to find them eventually. <laughs> right. The one you want to catch is when they've just struck the match, and it's fairly early yeah. on. It's really easy to put out. You could put it out with a tea towel. Yeah. <laughs> once the house is too far gone, yeah. forget yeah. it. Run. You, you've got to just let that burn. Yeah. Just you know, stay away from the neighborhood for Watching a while. Watching your favorite uh, pub burn. The, the other thing, you know what I do? I just do a full diagnostic as if I'm a, a car technician. I just do a thorough, you know, full overview and then i look for things that are like just about to to be explosive like i look for the match that's just been lit i also identify the house that's just too far gone we don't even bother mm. and and then after that stuff done then we can go and hide the matches mm. so it's a matter of scoring and filtering things based on experience and wisdom yeah. and uh and also sometimes getting an external pair of eyes on your business yeah. exposes everything you've, totally. you've just been walking past and totally missing. absolutely man i mean that's one of the yeah, that's one of the things i like about networking and masterminding and being in other people's programs is like i welcome it i want people to open the closet and have a look at the skeletons and go what the hell's going on there because uh you know it's i think it's very easy to put skeletons in the closet and just pretend they're not there but i love it when other people take a look and because you know then you can't hide it and you've got to deal with it um, hey, thank you so much for your time. This has been tremendous. And as I said, it's been fascinating and I could keep doing this for a long time and I will definitely get you back on the show at some point in the future if you're up for it. Uh, where can people reach out and learn more about what it is you're doing? Uh, superfastbusiness.com. Thanks, Troy. Awesome. Superfastbusiness.com. Uh, of course, we'll put the links to that in the show notes um, and this will be published uh, on our show notes and our podcast very soon and we'll let you know when it is and you can share it out with your audience. There you go, folks. That's another episode of the WP Elevation Podcast. Please subscribe at iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. It does help us come up in uh, the search results. And uh, follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel where we publish how-to videos helping you grow, start and grow your very own WordPress consulting agency. Look forward to speaking with you again on the podcast. Until then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate. Go Elevate.